Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I know what it's like to hear those three words. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. One day I said to my wife, Linda, that I hated the fact that I had cancer. And she looked at me and said, no, sweetheart, we have cancer. This transformed the way I looked at cancer because every one of us is touched by it in some way. Patients and survivors, caregivers and medical professionals, and we all have a story to tell. On each episode, we share those stories to inform, inspire, and provide hope to all of us who are affected by cancer to remind us that we are not alone. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 174 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been three years since we rebranded this podcast from its original name, the Colon Cancer Podcast, to We Have Cancer. And the intention behind doing that was to open the podcast up to be able to share the inspiring stories of people touched by not just colon cancer, but all types of cancer. And in today's episode, we have a guest on a topic on a cancer that we have not covered. My guest this week is John Falk, and John is a seven-year survivor of male breast cancer. He shares his story of how he came to be diagnosed, the challenges that he's faced, uh, what it's like to be a male a breast cancer survivor in a world that is, for obvious reasons, focused on uh, women, and how to have your voice heard in that space. So join me now for my conversation with John Falk. John, welcome to the We Have Cancer podcast. Thanks so much for joining me and offering to come on and share uh, the first story of your kind in the six years that we've been doing this podcast. So I appreciate uh, you coming on. But before we get down to business, we got to cover the important topic. Uh, and I know it's been a few years, but I'm sure it's still top of mind. Mm -hmm. Your reaction when your Cubs won the World Series. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just amazing. Uh as you know, it was, I think, 103 years since we last won. It was so, I was so elated. We, we were just going crazy. And it's interesting because my second surgery, uh, two days later, the Cubs had their parade in downtown Chicago. And I said to my doctor, the parade's happening. Is it okay if I go? And she said, well, I don't recommend it, but if you do, bring a pillow. <laughs> and I went because cancer wasn't going to keep me away, but it was a thrill. We were just on cloud nine. <laughs> you know, uh, I am a baseball fan and, you know, and I have seen a game at Wrigley field, but uh, how could you not root for something like that? Absolutely. And, you know, it reminded me, and there were so many stories and there was one story, perhaps you heard it. I want to say the guy was in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he promised that uh, if the Cubs ever made it to the World Series, he and his dad were going to go. And this guy was, you know, about our age, 50s, 60s. Yeah. And 
the Cubs made the World Series, but his dad had already passed away. Oh. So he brought a he brought a lawn chair and a radio and sat at his grave oh. listening to the Cubs win the World oh. Series. I was so touched by that. I was like, oh my That's goodness, great. right? That is great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a happy note two days after your surgery for breast cancer. Yeah. Tell us how you came to be diagnosed. Well, it all started in 2013. And one day I noticed that my left breast had swelled. And it was much larger than the right side. And I knew something was wrong. So I got an appointment with my primary care doctor. And I went in and I explained what was going on. He examined me. And I was really emphatic about how I really felt something was wrong and we needed to figure it out. So he did. He recommended me to a a surgeon who specialized in breast cancer. So I went to see him and brought me in the office. I explained what was going on. My left breast was swelled, you know, kind of felt ticklish and uncomfortable a little bit. Um, And he said, well, have me remove my shirt. And he was examining me. And about halfway through, he said, it's breast tissue. Men have breast tissue. And I thought, well, I understand, doctor, but look at it. I said, it's not normal. Something's not right. And when I first came in, he said to me, why did your doctor send you to me? Just like that, as if I'd interrupted his day. So after I was very emphatic about the fact that this wasn't right, He said, well, I guess we'll have to order some tests. So he did. He ordered a mammogram and a biopsy. So the thing about the mammogram and the biopsy, uh, and this is kind of where, you know, it's a little bit funny. Uh, I went in to have these procedures done. And as you know, it's all female centered. It's, you know, beautiful office, very bright pink ribbons. You know, Mademoiselle Magazine, self-breast examination materials. Uh, There's not a car and driver or field and stream magazine in sight, (laughs) you know. And then, you know, they give you the paperwork and you fill it out. You have headaches, you know, dizziness. Are you anxious? Oh, yes to that one. Uh, And then, of course, you know, when was your last period? Does not apply. Could you or are you pregnant? Nope. None, none of those. And then, you know, they give you the pink gown and they bring you in and you get the procedures. But the amazing thing is none of it bothered me. You know, I was just there to figure out what's wrong. Something's wrong. I didn't care about feeling uncomfortable or the fact that I was a man in an office with only women. And the personnel, the healthcare personnel there treated me very well. So those stories aren't always true for everybody, but it was for me. So I had those tests done and they came back negative. So that was great. But a year later, I felt a lump in the same spot on the left side. So that was 2014 and went right back into the doctor, had another mammogram and biopsy. And it came back positive. So I came home from work and my wife said, we have to talk. Went up in the bedroom, sat down and she told me, 
your test came back positive for breast cancer. You know, I'm a different kind of person the way I'm wired. Uh, I was so sure when that when she told me that, I said, you know what? It's going to be okay because she was going to cry. Uh, I said, it's all right. I said, you know what? I, I've caught this early. I'm so sure of it. I said, uh, we're just going to wait and see what happens, but I'm going to be okay. It'll be okay. And she told me later that she wanted to cry because she didn't want to see me go through it. But throughout the whole thing, and this is, you know, the truth about it, I was never afraid. And, and again, it doesn't make me better than anyone else. But I was never afraid. I never cried. I never said, why me? None of it. So I had the surgery and I had a full mastectomy. And it had been frozen on my left breast. It was stage zero estrogen base in situ. And they were able to remove it all. I didn't have meds. I didn't have any any uh, other treatment. My lymph nodes were all fine. Nothing had moved around. So I've never had cancer before. So I was naive. I thought, okay, it's a surgery and I'm done. My cancer is gone. I'm, I'm good. And I didn't want ribbons. I didn't, you know, cancer sucks, wasn't going to help. And that old phrase, fuh, cancer wasn't going to help. So I moved on. But then it was. And, you know, when I was diagnosed, I called my work because I worked at the county jail for 22 and a half years. I called my work and I said, Sarge, this is Officer Falk. Uh, I am going to have surgery. I could be out for up to two weeks. I said, I have breast cancer. I want you to tell everybody and let them know I'm going to be back. And I had the surgery and I was back. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the We Have Cancer Show. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brody Nicholas, and I have the honor of leading campaign one at a time. This month, we are sponsoring Spencer, a five-year-old cancer patient from Bath, Maine. Spencer is currently battling neuroblastoma and loves firefighters, bumblebee transformers, and Mickey. He loves Mickey and Disney so much that we're on a mission to raise $10,000 to send him and his family of eight on a trip of a lifetime to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. You can learn more about Spencer's campaign and how you can help by visiting wehavecancershow.com forward slash Spencer. Thank you so much for listening and let's keep spreading good together so we can make more amazing memories possible for another brave kid like Spencer. Why was it important to you, John, to for everybody to know what was going on? Some people prefer to take the more private approach. Why did you want everybody to know? Mostly, really, I didn't want people to worry because, you know, working, it's part of law enforcement, not a police officer, but, you know, it's a big part of it. And people are going to wonder, ooh, where's Officer Falk? Ooh, I wonder what's happening, what's going on? And I really felt comfortable being upfront about it and telling people. I knew from the minute I found out that I was going to tell people and I wanted everyone to know. What reception did you receive when you returned back to work? So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I walked into work. I, 
I remember it like yesterday. Walked right in, made a left through the door into the locker room. And one of my friends was there, one of my coworkers, and he and I were the only ones in the locker room. And he was the first guy to see me. And he said, hey, Officer Falk, you're back. How you doing? He said, I heard you lost a moob. And I burst out laughing. <laughs> I burst out laughing. I'd never heard that before. And he's right. I lost a move and that was it. So that was honestly where I figured out that humor was going to get me through this. I knew it. And for the uninformed, moob comes from combining the word man and boob. Yes. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> just in case anybody was it wasn't getting the joke. <laughs> yes. And everybody was just terrific. Uh, they were all great. And then you faced a recurrence. And so two years later, that's right. In 2016, it came back. And the thing that's uh, crazy, it was in the month of October for both of these. Uh, run-ins where I had discovered it, had the surgery. And so it was in October and it was another lump. Now, as everyone knows, when you have a mastectomy, on my left side, it's very smooth. The surgeon did a beautiful job. The scar has healed well. So I'm very conscious of that side. So when the lump came back, it was very easy to feel it. And of course, I'm always examining uh, because that's what we need to do. And it came back and they went back in and removed it, but it was invasive this time. And I was thunderstruck, but again, I caught it early and my lymph nodes weren't attacked. It didn't move anywhere. So I ended up getting 30 radiation treatments and I take tamoxifen. And what's the status of your health today, John? So today, in this, this is pretty much the only part of it that's uh, kind of difficult. Um, my health is very good. Uh, the meds, I have side effects, a cough being one of them. Um, side effects that are just irritating. But the radiation took more out of me than I thought. Uh, at work, I could take stairs two at a time, three at a time. Uh, now I get winded. I can walk. That's no problem. But I just, in daily life, I get winded. But, you know, my health is very good. I'm probably the most, I'm one of the most fortunate people on earth because so many others are battling it. And, you know, initially that was the thing. I said, I don't want ribbons. I don't want the cancer sucks t-shirt because I hadn't battled it like others. I didn't have wrenching treatments. And so I wasn't, in a way, it, I maybe I, I don't think I thought it, I wasn't deserving of it, but I thought, wow, this was easy. And it was. Even the second surgery, you know, uh, it was not that hard for me to go through it. So, but then the second time I said, you know what, this is a thing. You know, I'm a man with cancer, with breast cancer. And again, in the month of October, I'm walking around thinking, wow, you know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and nobody's talking about men with breast cancer. And honestly, I was going to the gas station every day to get a Diet Coke, 
that's my coffee. <laughs> and I was paying a dollar and getting a ribbon and they'd stick it up on the wall and you put your name on it. And I said, this isn't right. No one talks about men. I bought that ribbon and I said, will you put this right up front? I want it right here. So when people come in, they're going to see it. And I wrote on there, men get breast cancer. And I signed my name, John F. Falk. And she said, sure. And it stayed there. So that's when I pretty much said, well, now I got to talk about this. I have to tell others. And that was the moment I said, now I want to educate. That's the point where you felt like I am in the club, so to speak. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, clubs, most of them at least, go out of their way to welcome their members and make them feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about your experience in the doctor's office initially. Mm -hmm. But then when you realize, hey, you know, now that you're going, you know, you had your recurrence and you decided to get more involved. Did it feel, was there a level of embarrassment or a level of discomfort because, you know, everything is pink, right? Um, For me? And I don't mean the color, yeah. I don't mean the color specifically, but, you know, the concept that it's so, you know, and I get it, but, you know, it yeah. is female focused. But did you, did, was there a feeling of not belonging? No, not really. Uh, it was more a feeling of, this isn't right. And I really want to be an agent of change in my own way to make it happen, to get, you know, the pink uh, organizations to recognize this. Now, the Male Breast Cancer Coalition does an amazing job with that. But here in my own little area of Chicagoland, there's not a lot of awareness. But as far as the concern about why we don't talk about men's breast cancer, when I first had it, I said, you know, I'm going to start a male breast cancer survivor group, and it'll be me, myself, and I. Because men don't want to talk about it. And when I found out, all I wanted to do was talk about it. And so uh, I've been written up in Men's Health Online. I've had two interviews on television talking about it. And my son says I'm an attention so-and-so because <laughs> I want to be on TV and, and be published online because it's a really important thing to do. I go around with post-its that I've stamped, Men Get Breast Cancer, and I slap them on the door at the Jewel and the Target Really, I put them right on there. So when people are going through, they see it because I want people to know. Where do you find your support, John? My family, of course, and friends, people at work, absolutely. But other than that, you know, there was nothing out there. And people like to criticize Facebook and social media. That's where I found the Male Breast Cancer Coalition. That's where I found you guys, the Man Up Facebook page. And it's just, it's so great. And uh, that's where I found a lot of support. And the Breast Cancer Coalition, they tried to hook me up with a man who lives in my area who has breast cancer, but he's going through a tough time. 
And I texted him, but he didn't text me back, so I didn't push it. Men really, yeah, they really don't want to talk about it. And and that's not exclusive to me, to to breast cancer, right. by the way. It's you know all of our health. Uh, we don't want to yeah. talk about it. In fact, there's a couple other things about it. The second time I got it, because on Facebook I do mostly hobby. I don't splash my family on my page. They don't aren't interested. But when I got it the second time, I went on my Facebook and I made a post and I told everyone my cancer came back. But this was important. I said to him, uh, I'm going to be okay. I'll be back. I said, but when I come back, uh, if you want to ask me about my cancer, please do. And I hope I don't bore the hell out of you. I said, if you don't want to ask, that's okay too. Don't be uncomfortable around me because I'm the same guy that you've always known. Because when someone has cancer that you know, a friend, even a coworker, you don't know what to say. It's tough. So I, I really felt like uh, I had a responsibility to make others comfortable about my diagnosis. And that's how I did it. Did you find that some of your relationships changed as a re- after your diagnosis, John? No, they got better. You know, uh, certainly nobody at work, uh, friends, family, nobody, uh, I don't know if people would shun you, but no one was uncomfortable around me, not even after the first time. Some people didn't even know at work. And I was shocked because, listen, you work at jail, at the jail with other officers. Oh, you know, all the chatter. That should have gone like wildfire around the jail, you know. Uh, but, sure. but some people didn't even know. And I told my sergeant, I want you to tell everyone. So I was kind of disappointed. But really, but uh, the second time around, I went on Facebook and told people. And I said, you know what? Uh, summer's coming. I'll have my shirt off. I'll see you at the beach. See, that's another thing. There's no embarrassment with this guy. Uh, this scar, the surgeon did a beautiful job. Doesn't bother me any, you know. And a lot of guys, they don't want anyone to see it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm the same way. I mean, I got more scars than I can count. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, if, if you have a problem with it, that's a you problem. That's, that's not right. a me problem. Yeah. So you're out working in the garden, and when you're done, your hands are covered with dirt and mud, or maybe you're working on your car, and your hands are covered with grease and oil when you're done. Do you clean up by just wiping them off with a dry paper towel and going on about your day? I don't think so. So why do we do that with our butts? Why do we clean up with a dry piece of paper? If you're being treated for cancer like I am, you know oftentimes chemotherapy increases the trips to the bathroom. And I was at my wit's end trying to find a way to get comfortable and eliminate the itching and pain associated with all those trips to the bathroom. And that's when I came across Lux Bidet. In about 15 minutes, I attached the uh, bidet to my toilet and haven't looked back, and it's been uh, some time now. And it just leaves me feeling clean and refreshed, and it's something you really should check out. 
You can do so by visiting wehavecancershow.com forward slash Lux. That's L-U-X-E. You should know that if you do make a purchase, that We Have Cancer Show does receive a little bit of a commission from that, but that does not in any way increase the price that you pay for the bidet itself. It just helps support the show. You have many options to choose from. I can't live without it. And I know once you get one, you won't be able to either. Again, visit wehavecancershow.com forward slash Lux. That's L-U-X-E. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. Do you have a family history, John? No. See, and that's the interesting thing. None of the women in my family, my sister... My aunts, grandmothers, mom, on either side, anywhere do I know have had breast cancer. Now, other cancers, you know, lung cancer, my grandpa, my father had uh, prostate cancer. He lived with that for 17 years. That's another health issue for me, breast cancer and, and prostate. My brother had prostate. So, but as far as breast cancer, None. And I had um, genetic testing, and I don't have the gene, so it won't pass on to my son. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I do have the gene, Oh, uh, which is unrelated to the cancer that I have. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even though, you know, even still having the gene, my doctor told me, you know, all right, so you go from a 0.5% risk to a 1% risk. Yeah. It's still 1%. That's right. Uh, but, uh, you know, just something that I, I, you know, you know, I'm glad that I'm aware of just, just in case. Yeah. Um, how do you, you know, if you could wave a wand and, 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 and change things, uh, in terms of male breast cancer, what would be number one on the list? Wow. Number one, the pink organizations, if they would recognize us, if somebody would step up because they have the power to bring more recognition. The thing is, we're not the shiny object. We're a very small percentage of people who get breast cancer, but still, it is important, and I wish they would step up and include us, uh, lockstep with women and breast cancer awareness. Let people know men get it too. There's a medication that they now uh, allow men to take to deal with metastatic breast cancer. You couldn't get it prescribed, but that law or that rule changed. And in the ad, they casually mention it, men or women with breast cancer. And I thought, well, why don't you uh, feature a man? Although it would probably confuse people. Uh, And honestly, I'll I'll be your guy, you know. (laughs) I'll do it for free, you know. Uh, What would your son say? (laughs) You're an attention (laughs) hog. But really, that's the one thing that uh, an organization like any of them, Susan G. Coleman, the American Cancer Society, put a blue ribbon, put some blue on those ribbons and, and let us get up there and talk about it. And, uh, you know, 
especially to get men, not only about their health, to be comfortable with talking about it uh, and um, not being afraid to go to the doctor because a lot of guys, I don't like going to the doctor. My father-in-law never liked the hospital, you know. Uh, And it's really hard. I've never had cancer before. It's hard to figure out how to tell people and train people to advocate for yourself. You go into the doctor. Oh, it's breast tissue. Men have breast tissue. Oh, is that all, doctor? Thanks. I'll see you later. If I was that guy. But I knew something was wrong. And so I pushed. And that's what we all need to do. And that's true for any part of your body. Yes. You, right? We know what our normal is. Yeah. And when that changes, you got to speak up. Yeah. And if you don't like, you know, people tend to forget, and this has been a topic we've covered on this podcast many times. Don't forget the doctor works for you. And when you look at it through that lens, if we don't like their performance, guess what we can do? Yeah. We can fire them <laughs> yeah. and hire a new doctor to work for us, right? Yes. And you know, I could still do it, and I never have. Write that doctor and say, dear doctor so-and-so, you remember me? Well, I've had breast cancer twice, and I'm doing really great. Thanks a lot for all your help. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is shocking to me that a doctor would be that way. And I think it probably was because he's a, a breast cancer specialist and either he's ignorant or he couldn't be bothered. What are you doing here? You're a guy. What's the problem? And there wasn't a lump. It was just swelled tissue. But, right. you know. Yeah. But you knew it wasn't normal for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what it goes back to. Yeah. You also briefly touched on something. Um, uh, one of my former guests, uh, put it so eloquently, you know, men don't want to sit in a circle and talk about their feelings, uh, which is really true. And you touched on, and we've mentioned it here, but I'm going to keep uh, shouting it from the rooftops because it's such a fantastic resource. And that is that man up to cancer, the Howling Pit Place Facebook group that yes. was started by Trevor Maxwell and Joe Bullock. Those guys just do an incredible job. It's a very welcoming, non-judging support group for men touched by cancer. And I use the word touched Mm -hmm. because it could be your wife, right, that has cancer and you need some caregiver support. Well, those folks are welcome too. You don't have to be a cancer patient uh, like you and I, uh, or survivor, you and I. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're touched by cancer and you're looking for a place to just kind of hang out online, it's not all cancer talk all the time. They actually encourage uh, talking about your hobbies and your passions away from, you know, the health topics at times. and, And those seem to get a lot of attention. Yeah. But for our listeners... If you or someone you know, um, you know, is a guy looking that in need of some support, do check out the Man Up to Cancer Facebook group. Uh, and I specifically want to shout out Trevor and Joe for the who are the main administrators of the group, and they just do an amazing job. And um, I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm proud to uh, promote what they do. Yeah, 
It's great. And I'm just trying to think, how did I come across Man Up to Cancer? Because I only recently came across it. Uh, and it is. It's a great site. And so many guys on there, they, they say, oh, you know, they get on there and they're venting. And, oh, I'm sorry for venting. No, that's what we're here for. You go exactly. ahead and vent and get it out because people need to be able to. And as you said, without judgment. With absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your story. And, you know, you said one of your goals was to raise awareness and get yes. the word out there. And this is going to be how we're going to do it is uh, by sharing your story to our listeners here uh, on the We Have Cancer podcast. That's so um, as I've said in other episodes, I don't want to confuse our audience because this episode is going to come out. Uh, late March of 2021, but we're recording this basically about 10 days before Christmas in 2020. Yeah. So even though uh, when people listen to this, it's going to be late March, I'm still going to wish you and yours a happy holidays and all the best of the new year. And uh, for people who are listening going, wait a minute, that was three months ago. And yes, you're right. <laughs> you're not <laughs> hearing things, but that's when we're recording this. So all the best, uh, most importantly, John, in terms of your health and uh, all the best uh, for a happy, healthy, and a new year that brings you lots of joy and peace, my friend. Thank you, and to you too. It's been a pleasure. It has. Thanks so much. The Colon Cancer Coalition has many ways that you can help support this important organization that's doing so much in the world of colorectal cancer. If you visit donate.coloncancercoalition.org, you can find these events that are taking place across the country, and they all have opportunities to participate virtually. We've got Get Your Rear and Gear events where you can run and walk. We've got Tour de Tush bike events. We've got a Caboose Cup golf event. So whatever it is that you enjoy doing, wherever you may live, there is an opportunity for you to support the Colon Cancer Coalition. Once again, to learn more about these events and how you can support the Colon Cancer Coalition, visit donate.coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. 